I plan to just preach on that during the month of August. I don't think any of you expected that to end then, but uh, we're still looking at that. There's so much, so much in Scripture. I really don't think I could cover all of it before the Lord returns for us, but there's just so many wonderful truths about the church, and we've been looking at it from the local perspective. Uh, it's not been my desire to preach about other churches, but to try to help us to see the condition and the situation we are in in our local church. It would be easy for me to stand up here and talk about everybody else. Uh, but we begin at home. We begin where we are with our local church, our families, our loved ones, and those that are a part of our church. As you know, my main burden is the fact that only about 39% of our church membership attend church in, on, in any shape, fashion, or form. And as I've told you for the past six weeks, there is no way that that glorifies God. I'm not talking about our homebound folks, facility-bound, or people who are unable to be here. That's not in that number. These are people who identify as members of our church, but for decades have chosen not to identify with our church or even identify with Christ. But it has to start with us looking at what the Bible tells us, what the church is, who the church belongs to, and about the importance of our having a commitment to the local church. I'm going to read this morning, in just a few moments, I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I'm going to be giving several other passages, and we'll be looking at several other passages. But we're going to be reading this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll begin reading down in verse number 12. Again, this is not my my ordinary expositional message as I normally preach because we need to move around in order to present the truth. I remind you again, there is not a single verse that says in the New Testament or in the Bible, thou shalt be a member of a local church. That's not found. But as I mentioned last Sunday, it is insinuated, it is just almost concluded that that is the way it is and I mentioned that last Sunday in the relationship to the one another passages. Last Sunday I mentioned about our culture of individualism and our culture of love of self. Uh, Timothy is Paul told Timothy that in 2 Timothy 3, that one of the marks of the last days and the dangerous times within those last days is that men will be lovers of themselves. And that is very dominant in our culture. This is a culture of individualism and love of self. And that not only dominates our culture, but that has somehow devalued church membership in the eyes of many. Because people are interested not in what they can do to serve others or serve Christ, but they're interested in what can be done to serve them. Where can they go where people will serve them and meet their needs, and fulfill their wishes and their desires. I also have reminded you over the past several months, as, we, as we've looked at various passages in God's Word, that we can scripturally conclude, and I can say this without any hesitation at all, that a call to salvation is first and foremost a call to Christ, but it is also a call to be a member 
of His local body of believers, wherever that body assembles. We read about them in Scripture. The church at Galatia, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Laodicea, Sardis. We read about these local churches. The church at Jerusalem, that first local church. And West Lenore Baptist Church is an extension of that. We are a body of believers that have been saved by grace, and we have confessed that publicly, followed our Lord in baptism, and we have joined together in a covenant relationship to love, to pray, to give, to share, to witness, to carry out the mission that God gave us, and that is biblically the truth of God's Word. Local church membership, I mentioned last Sunday, is implied in over, I read over 35 verses last Sunday to you in which the, the words one another was mentioned and magnified. 35 verses. And then I ask you two questions. The first question I ask you was, can these commands be obeyed if you are not united with your brothers and sisters in Christ? And then the second question I ask you was, can your Christian life be edified or built up to fullness and completeness without gathering together with your brothers and sisters in Christ? The answer to both of those questions is no. We must have the local church. Christ designed it that way. I hope you seriously ask yourself these questions sometime during the past week and thought about your answer. If you haven't thought about it again, that probably is answer enough. This morning, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and I want us to look at the church and one of the most powerful metaphors and analogies that is recorded in the New Testament about the, the body of Christ being a part of the local church. Now, in some of these verses where the body of Christ is referenced, it will be referring to the universal, all of the body of Christ, everyone who's been saved. But in some verses, it is going to refer to that local assembly. Again, it's not my purpose this morning to expound these verses, each individually as I normally would, but to show us some of the ways that we can identify the church. What's the church like? What is it to be a part and a member of the local church? When the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul and James and Peter and John and the other writers to pin down the words of the epistles and the words of the New Testament, He inspired them to use metaphors and analogies, to reach, to reach out and get words that would help convey to us what it is to be a part of the church. Sometimes the authors used what we call mixed metaphors. Paul talks about being baptized into a body. That's a mixed metaphor. Uh, Peter talked about, I read last Sunday, about living stones. Stones don't live. That's a mixed metaphor. But yet when the Spirit of God wanted to show us what the church is like and what the how the church functions, uh, He was free to use whatever words He wanted to use. And that is what the Spirit of God has so beautifully accomplished in the Word of God. When you open the Bible and read what God says about the church, you find yourself overwhelmed at the metaphors and even the mixed metaphors. I hope you love words. I, lo I love words. Uh, our God is a communicating God. The Bible said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without 
form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Then the Bible said, and God said. God began to communicate. God began to speak. And that's what He's doing with us and to us through the written Word of God, the infallible Word of God. And He has chosen to use these pictures to show us about the church. And I just want to mention before we read our text this morning, I want to mention six different metaphors and just give you the scriptures and you can look at them. These are different ways and words that Christ has recorded in His Word what He has called His church, what He has likened His church unto. He calls the church the bride of Christ. 2 Corinthians 11.2, Ephesians 5.23-32, Revelation 19.7-8, and 8, Revelation 21.9. He calls His church a flock of sheep. Acts 20, verse 28 and 29, 1 Peter 5, verse 2 and 3. Thirdly, he calls his church or compares the church to a temple, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16. And then fourthly, he refers to his church as a building, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 and Ephesians 2, 21. He refers to us in Galatians 6, 10 and Ephesians 2.19, as members of His household of faith. And then in 2 John chapter 1, He refers to that local church as the elect lady in 2 John 1. Now that's just six examples. There are many, many more in the pages of God's Word. And in all of these metaphors and analogies, He is communicating what it is to be a part of the church. This morning, I want us to look at one of the most precious, one of the most precious metaphors and analogies that we find in Scripture. My favorite, of course, is the Bride of Christ, but this one conveys such a message of what it means to be a part of a local church. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 26, where we are referenced as the body of Christ. The body of of Christ. I can't think of anything more sacred, anything more valuable, anything more holy than for us as the church of the living God to be referenced or to be referred to or to be compared to and defined and identified as the body of Christ. Follow with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12. I'm going to read through verse 27. And if you make if you will make a mental note, if you mark your Bible, mark it. Look for the words body and the word members or members. And again, some of the the references here are to the entire body of Christ, the universal, but the references and the application of it is in that local body there at Corinth. The apostle writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, 
Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now I understand that I'm picking up and reading a portion of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church as he is dealing with their spiritual gifts and about, and about how some in that church felt they were necessary and others were not necessary. But I read this passage because Paul is presenting to them, causing them to think about the physical body, making reference to certain parts of our body, the, the eye, the foot, the head, different parts of our body. But all the time he is sending a deeper message about us being the body of Christ and about each one of us being placed in the body of Christ as it pleased our Lord. You and I, who are saved by God's grace, we are here today because it hath pleased the Heavenly Father to send His Son to save us and to place us within His church. I grew up in church attendance in coming to the meeting place, but it took the regenerating power of Christ to save me and actually place me within the body of Christ. So in these verses I read this morning, Paul is moving back from the physical body to the body of Christ, and their minds are thinking like yours were when I was reading uh, my physical body. I need my eyes, I need my hands, I need my feet, and uh, all are necessary, even the uncomely parts. All of this has been designed by God in His creative power to make our bodies function and make, give us members in order to live and to exist. And the same thing uh, exists in the church. He has placed in His church whomsoever He will. It pleased Him to save us and put us in His church. And we are here to care for one another, to complement one another, although we're diverse from one another, just like the hand is not the foot, nor the foot the eye, nor the ear the knee. Everything is different among our members, and so it is in the body of Christ. I promise you that a local church where everybody is exactly alike is full of hypocrites because we are not alike. The church is not a room of spiritual mannequins where everybody looks the same, sounds the same, and does exactly the same thing. 
We are a part of the body of Christ. We are the very body of Christ. And with that said, and with this scripture given, I want us to look at several truths this morning about our local church and about what it means to be a member and to be in covenant commitment with the local church. First of all, membership in a physical body is vital. Membership in a physical body is vital. When you have a body and you have members that are on that body and functioning out of that body, it is because that body is, is giving life. That body provides vital life. It provides emotion. It is essential. If you sever a member of your physical body, that involves pain and ultimately could bring death. Certainly any member of our physical body severed from the body will cease to live. The body may continue to function if it's not a vital organ, but the, the member that is severed, the member that is cut off from that cannot live, cannot grow, cannot mature, and cannot flourish. Also, whenever that happens, whenever that happens, the members, the other members of that body suffer. So membership in a physical body is vital. And membership in the body of Christ is vital if someone who says they've been saved are going to grow and going to flourish and going to mature. Now I realize that cuts across the grain of a lot of professing Christians who say, I'm a Christian and I don't need the church. My salvation is in Christ and I get my life from Him. And if I never ever assemble with a local church or never commit to that local church, I will be just as great a Christian as I could have been without it. My question to you is, why did Christ provide the church if His children did not need the church? It's a biblical contradiction to think that you can flourish as a Christian separated from the body of Christ. Secondly, in 1 Corinthians 12, and you can look at this in verse 21 through 26, membership in a physical body means unity and diversity. Just as in our physical bodies this morning, all of our members are unified in the sense that they are connected to the same body and they are working in corresponding uh, submission to the head which is telling each member what to do and how to function. The church is the same way. We gather in unity. Our unity is in Jesus Christ. We're not here today united in our politics. We're not here united uh, in our opinions about government. We're not here united in the type of automobile we drive or the brand of clothing that we wear. We're here this morning united in Christ Jesus. It is in Him that we are united. In that upper room before our Lord was crucified, on that evening He spent with His disciples, He said to them, He said, The Spirit of God I will send, and I'm praying for your unity. He said, by this, by your unity, all men will know that you are my disciples. A lost sinner should walk in here this morning and be able to look at certain people sitting beside other people. He should be able to look and say, I know that man, I know that lady, and I know that they are nothing alike. I know that lady come from the country club. I know that man came from Wilson's Creek. And they're sitting here today worshiping. What is it that unites them? Thank God it's Jesus Christ. That's what unites us. That's our unity. So membership in a local body means unity, but it also means diversity. All of our body 
members are different. They all have a separate function, but yet they're all mutually dependent upon the other. And that's the way it is with the church. Preacher, why is church membership important? Why is, church, why, why is it that being faithful to church is important? If this local body has members who never show up to function, then it affects that body. That's the way it is in Scripture. And then a person with a seemingly greater gift, Paul said, should not think that they can function outside of the body of Christ because if you separate, it just doesn't happen. And more importantly, someone who thinks they have a lesser gift should not think that they are lesser important in the body of Christ. Now sometimes in the church, we tend to think, and that's our fault, sometimes it's the pastor's fault, sometimes it's the way church is done, that certain people are viewed as more necessary to the body of Christ than others. I am not more necessary in my role as pastor than any other member of the body of Christ. My function, what God has called me and set me apart to do within that body, is certainly necessary in that given role, but that don't mean that what you do is any less than what I do in the function of the whole body. Now, obviously, one could lose a finger, a leg, a foot. Uh, he would rather lose that as to lose his brain, absolutely, because the brain is, is what makes it all work. But understand this today. When a church works like it ought to work, everyone should understand that God has placed us in that body as it pleased Him, and we should work and honor and serve Him and glorify Him. This is not about me being up here and you being down there. That's not, a, that's not what this is about at all. This is about us being in the body of Christ. This is not about some being able to sing and others being able to listen. That's not what it's about. It's not about some being able to teach and others just being able to be taught. That's not what this is about. It's about the entire body functioning and working together. Also, thirdly, membership in the body of Christ is associated with union in Christ. Turn, if you will, over just a few pages to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. And I ask you to turn there because the bulk of my time probably is going to be right here uh, in Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse number 30. So I've mentioned, first of all, membership in a physical body is vital. It is life-giving. Membership in a physical body means there is unity and diversity. And then membership in the body of Christ is associated with union in Christ. You cannot be a regenerate church member of a local church unless you are a converted sinner, unless you have been saved by God's grace. You say, Preacher, I know a lot of people that are members of the church that are unsaved. We have church members here that are on our roll that are unsaved. You can't convince me that if you have 536 members on your roll and an average of 200 showing up, on any given Lord's Day, you can't convince me that there's not hundreds of people who are unconverted. There's just not one or two, but probably hundreds of people who either have thought they were a Christian, but for whatever reason they are not. You have to be in union with Christ before you can be in the body of Christ and before you can be a part of His church. Look at Ephesians 5.30. Now remember Paul has been talking about the husband-wife relationship, that's what he's been talking about to the Ephesians. But he has been comparing that 
that to Jesus Christ and being a part of our Lord and a part of His church. He says that in verse 32, it's a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and His church, and that kind of talks about the bride of Christ. But verse 30 is what I want you to look at for just a moment. He said, For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. The metaphor there is the image of marriage. And Paul is suggesting that church membership like marriage involves a covenant commitment. A covenant commitment. And this is precisely what I said last Sunday about individualism. When you live in a culture where individualism is magnified and glorified, where individualism is taught, where we look after ourselves to the exclusion of everyone else, it undermines everything in the culture and in society. And the first thing that it undermines is marriage. Individualism undermines the sanctity of marriage. And individualism undermines the beauty of the believer being in the body of Christ. I don't walk out of here today and say, this is my church. This is where I go. This is what I do. This is my, 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 my. No, this is our gathering place. This is not about us as individuals. This is about all of us together as the body of Christ. I never did like to hear people say, uh, I'm going over to Brother Seyfried's church. It never has been Brother Seyfried's church. It never will be Brother Seyfried's church. The church belongs to Christ. It's not individually. It's about us together. But Paul is telling us this as he's taking the sanctity of marriage and then saying, I'm speaking about Christ and His church. In other words, if we all understood this morning that there's something greater at stake here than just our present temporary happiness, I think it'd make things a lot easier. And there's something at stake more in being a part of a local church than just your happiness. This is not about you just being happy. If you want to go up to Burger King and have it your way, that's fine. But when you come here, it's not about you or me, either one, having it our way. This is about God's way and about you and I submitting to that. If you think you're going to, en if you think you're going to enter a marriage and have it your way, you're going to be sadly fooled. Because when two unite in marriage, they become one. They become one. And Paul is telling us here, for we are members. He's telling the Ephesians and us, for we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. This isn't about us. This is about Him and about Him being glorified. Church, there's something greater at stake than just you and I. If you're in a family today, if you're married and you're in a family, there's something greater at stake than just the well-being of you and your children and just your family. There's something more deeply, more deeply profound there than that. It's about our union with Christ. Any marriage that doesn't reflect union with Christ is not really fulfilling a biblical marriage. And even marriages today is about individualism. That's what it's become. That's why people choose not to enter into the, uh, into the covenant of marriage anymore, is they want to do their own thing their own way, get their own gratification out of it, and that is sin. And the same thing has trickled down to our relationship with the local church. 
We don't want to commit to anything. We just want to come into a building like this, get our spiritual high, let the choir make us feel good, let the preacher preach a felt-needs message, and we all feel good about it. And if he does anything different, then we leave kindly disappointed and we move somewhere else to another situation in life. That's not what it is about. Just like marriage, being a part of Christ's church means that we come together and there we witness the reality of Christ's love for the church. We witness the reality of Christ's atoning work on the cross. We witness the reality of His sanctifying work. We witness the reality of Him being glorified by us being here, praising Him, reading His words, singing His hymns, fellowshipping one with another, and having hope that when we depart this life that we can be together again in heaven where we'll do the same thing for all eternity. That's what this is about. It's the, it's the focus of our union with Christ. That's what Paul is trying to say here in Ephesians about marriage. It's not about just two people having legality to have intimate relations. It's about our being together because of our union in Christ. And when two people are united in marriage without being united in Christ, then there's something that they're missing in that glorious union. This is what it is to be a part of the church. It's about us reflecting on Christ and what He has done for us. So we in turn can witness His saving grace to others. Marriage is a covenant commitment. So is being a member of a local church. When Paul said there in verse 30, For we are members of His body, he is telling us because we are a member of Christ's body, that means His body provides everything that we need to live. Just like our body does the same for us. His church, Christ is so intimately and so inseparably connected to us through the church and through Himself that, thank God, we need never fear. We need never worry. Do you remember the words of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 8 and talked about all the things he had been through, all the perils and the heights and depths? You remember, Paul said, Nothing, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a joy, what an honor it is to be in His church, and we reflect that when we commit to His local church. If He did not care for His church, He would be diminishing His own glory. If He did not provide for His church, He would be contradicting His own word. He brings to us everything we need, and we give to Him our love, we give to Him our praise, we give to Him our worship, and we give to Him our obedience. You see, in marriage, the husband's life is intimately and inseparably joined to his wife, so they are one. In Christ, we are united in Him and He in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we express that union when we gather together. So when, a, when people can go for decades without identifying with the local church, they are saying publicly, I have no reason or desire to express the union that I profess to have in Jesus Christ. By us gathering together here this morning and becoming one in a building physically, it's a testimony to a lost world that we are united in Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we're doing when we gather together. When Kim and I were married, 
I made a vow before God, and she did as well, and the witnesses that were there, that we would love each other, honor each other, and give ourselves only to each other, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, as long as we live. We made a covenant vow before God and the witnesses present that day that we would share our life with each other, and we entered into what is called a covenant relationship of marriage. I made a commitment to her. She made a commitment to me. Now, would you have ever called me to be your pastor if Kim and I were just living together, if we had Jonathan and Jana and Jason out of wedlock, and neither one of us would submit to love each other and keep ourselves to each other, but whenever and however we wanted to go and do our thing and express our individualism, would you have ever called me to be your pastor? Well, absolutely not. Why? Because there are other churches that would. I'm sure I said I wasn't going to get on them, but there's probably others. But you would have never thought about that. You would say, how dare they enter into an intimate relationship by which children are produced without first a covenant commitment of love to one another. That's what you would have said, and well, so you should have said. Now, the world would have called us normal by their standards. You would have called us, or you should have called us, what the Bible calls us, fornicators and adulterers. Now, let me ask you this. What should we call professing Christians who for decades refuse to honor a covenant commitment to Christ's local church? Who go about and get their pleasures, their religious pleasures, and they produce a fruit of life that breaks all the standards and breaks all the commands and breaks all of the guidance that God has given in His Word it breaks all the intimacy, the provisions, and benefits. It ref they refuse to live by a covenant of commitment. What should we call those people? I'll tell you what they call those people at their funeral, faithful church members. But they're not. As I mentioned last Sunday morning, part of the responsibility of the men that you will authorize to create a regenerate church membership plan for this church and to incorporate that plan, part of that is a new church covenant. And everyone who claims membership with Western Lord Baptist Church should joyfully affirm and agree to live out to the best of their ability. Do you know, as far as I know, as far as my part is concerned, I don't think it's addressed in any of our bylaws or anything. I haven't read it. If it had, Maybe it is. I've looked over it. Would you want me to present a man and woman to this church today who claims they are saved and they're living together producing children and they are not married? Would you want them to be a part of the church? The answer to that is no. Why? Not because you hate them. That's not the reason. Because that doesn't reflect the Word of God, does it? That's not biblical. That's fornication. We stand with that and say, no, that can't happen. And I submit to you as your pastor, we can't stand back and let 300 plus people be a part of the church who cannot say publicly 
I belong to Christ, and because I belong to Him, I belong to this local assembly. I want you to think hard about that. There's no way Christ would be pleased with either. What would I try to do with that young couple? If they had truly came to Christ, I would try to counsel them and, and let them see that if they're going to be together, they should marry. That's what Paul told the Corinthians, right? And then we would joyfully say, yes, welcome to our family. Welcome to the family of God and baptize them. And they become a biblical church family and a part of this local assembly. And that's the same thing we want to do with those who are no longer with us but claim they are of us, is to see a restoration, to see true conversion if that's what is needed. And that's what I've been sharing with you. This is going to take love and patience, and it's going to take a commitment ourselves first and foremost. And before we ever deal with those, we must deal with ourselves and see if we are willing to commit and if we are willing to enter a covenant relationship with each other. Church membership, like marriage, involves a covenant commitment. Now, you might be content this morning for the whole idea of church to exist in your mind, but Jesus wasn't. He left His church here to show up in real time. And I want to tell you what this world needs. I want to tell you what America needs, but I don't want to go national. I want to tell you what Caldwell County needs. And I want to tell you specifically what West Lenore area needs more than anything else. More than anything else. More than a new mayor, more than a new city council, more than a new school board, more than a new all these other things. I want to tell you what this area right here needs more than anything else. It needs West Lenore Baptist Church to identify with Jesus Christ and represent Him to the lost community in which we sit. That's what this county needs more than anything else. I cannot control the nation. I cannot control the state. I can't control the city. I can't even control this church. But between God and me and my wife and my family and you and your family, we can make a fresh covenant commitment to Christ by His grace and with His help that we're going to represent Christ as close to the Bible as we possibly can until we see Him face to face. That is what I'm talking about when I talk about church membership. There are many religious organizations and functions, but only the church, only the church is the body of Christ. Only the church is the body of Christ, of which every true believer in Christ is a member. And you can no more separate Christ from His church than you can separate your head from your body and continue to live. What a privilege to be asked by God to be a part of a living, breathing, walking church. Taking His love to a lost world, showing a lost world what unity really is. And in the midst of a generation and a culture that is so confused about everything, they're confused about marriage, family, gender, 
sex, and a host of other things, how much more important is it that Christians make a covenant commitment to Christ's church? But the problem is we won't give ourselves to that unless we realize that membership and other things I've mentioned today is bigger than ourselves. And I want to leave that with you this morning. There is something bigger going on here than just me and just you. Someone asked me, a preacher asked me last week, he's been following me preaching through this, and he said, are you wanting this to be your legacy at West Lenore? I said, absolutely not. I, I'm not concerned about my legacy. My legacy doesn't matter. Christ's honor, His glory, is what matters. When our local church is what it should be, nobody comes in and out of here remembering me, you, or anybody else. They come in here and out of here remembering Christ and Christ alone and glorifying His great name. There's something bigger going on here than us. And the kind of character that we have to have and the kind of families that we have to have cannot be formed unless we approach church membership biblically. This is where it starts when we come to Christ. Preacher, can it be? Absolutely. How do you know it can be? Thank God because Christ told us to be that. And He would never tell us to be something that He would not give us grace to do. Now, some of you are not inter interested in this. I understand that. That troubles me. Others of you are deeply concerned about this. And I appreciate that because I myself am deeply concerned. But I'm not really as much concerned anymore as I've preached through this. When I first started, I was more concerned about how this would affect our families. And there are people that you and I love. There, some of you have blood relatives, people close to you that are in the groups that I've talked about. These are people you love and care deeply for, and I understand that. But as I've moved through this, I'm not near as much concerned about this as I am about us honoring Christ in this and glorifying Him. And that's what we want to do. Remember, it's His church, not ours. I resign anything that I think I have claim on. I resign all of that that I have claim on. We have to have certain things down here legally to do certain things. But this, the church belongs to Him. And it, the church really is nothing about this building and this land and all this stuff. As I've told you before, if we lost all of that today, we should be able to meet in somebody's front yard and worship Christ. Amen? Amen. We should be able to do that. And the day's coming, that may happen. That's where the early church found themselves. But we are His church. And I wanted to leave that with you. The body of Christ. The body of Christ of Christ. As you leave today, if you're saved and you know that you're a part of a church, we have visitors here that are part of other churches, cherish those relationships. There's no perfect church. There's no church that does everything right. That's why we have leaders and teaching and that's why we repent. That's why we confess and our, we forgive each other and that's why we learn and that's why we grow. We are here to magnify and glorify His name. So thank Him today for the fact you're a part of the body of Christ. 
And don't think you're more necessary or lesser than others. But just be grateful for who you are, that God's made you in Him. And be thankful for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. John's going to come and lead us in a song as they're coming and getting ready. I want to pray and then we'll sing. Father, thank you again this morning for this time in the Word of God. Well, thank you, Father, that we are members of your body, of your flesh, and of your bones. And Lord, something bigger is happening here other than just us. Lord, this is about you and about your bride, your body, your, about your flock, about your building, your temple. Lord, it's about your people that you have redeemed and saved. And I pray this morning you would work this deep in our heart. And help us, Father, especially as husbands and fathers who have the responsibility for the spiritual well-being of our families, help us, Lord, to search the Scriptures and, Lord, to understand the covenant relationship that we have with our spouses, responsibilities we have toward our families, and then to know that that is strengthened and helped when we're in covenant relationship with each other in the church. And I, I just ask this morning, Lord, I don't know that I've ever asked you for this, but I want to ask you this morning that you would work a miracle right here in Western Lord Baptist Church. Not the healing of our bodies, but the healing of our membership. I ask you, Father, to do that special work. You are the great physician. And Lord, we have page after page that you handled leprosy, you even handled death, you handled disease, corruption. You even stood at a distance and healed people. And Lord, I believe this morning you can heal our church family. You can heal our membership and bring it to what you're pleased with. Some things we're doing, Lord, I believe are biblical and right. Help us to continue that and not to change that. But where we're wrong, show us. And Lord, where we're wrong goes deeper than what I can recognize or anybody here. So may we all find our places of prayer and repentance. And may we all join this morning in praying for you to heal us as the body of Christ. Not that we can sit here on the corner and claim superiority to other churches, but that we can be a light and a witness and a place where sinners can come and not hear politics and tradition, but hear Jesus Christ and Him crucified and see believers worshiping and praising and obeying and sharing and giving and loving and caring, all because You have saved us. I ask You to do that today for Your glory and for Your honor. And we'll thank You and praise You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. John will tell us what we're saying.